Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is Make It Kind. M.I.P. With Massimella Matsumo. Mark Thompson. Get woke. Ladies and gentlemen, today on Make It Plain, our guest is the Robert A. Knox Professor and Dean of the Boston University School of Public Health. He is the author of the new book, The Contagion. Next time, Dr. Sandro Galea joins us now. Make it plain. How are you, doctor? I'm very well. Thank you so much for having me. It is a pleasure to have you, as a matter of fact. I've had this conversation with a couple of other people at the CDC, and I guess you're here to also sort of break the news to us that this is not the last we'll probably see of something like COVID, is it? Unfortunately not. I actually don't think that anybody, any epidemiologist, any public health professional would think this is the last one. I think it's only a matter of when, not a matter of if. And of course, the real danger, I think the real fear is that uh, the next one will be even worse. You know, when you think about mm. COVID, you know, COVID was a very infectious agent, but it wasn't a particularly lethal agent. Mortality rate probably is about 1%. SARS was a 10% mortality. And SARS only missed us as a country really through luck. I mean, SARS hit Toronto, Canada very hard and it missed the US. So there's no reason to believe that something like SARS, which has a nine, 10% mortality will not actually hit us sooner or later. What is it about now? What kind of era are we in? What type of environment that we're in where these, where we have COVID Mm -hmm. and as you mentioned, SARS, and we may have more and they may get worse. What is going on in the atmosphere? Well, a number of things going on, but uh, the the truth is that there have been viruses, novel pathogens entering the human species for thousands of years. In some respects, there's nothing new about that. There were centuries, whole centuries, when uh, infectious agents, plagues were commonplace, where people were accustomed to sort of shutting things down for a year or two at a time. For us, we we are living in the present in such a vivid, deeply felt, I think, deeply experienced present because of technology, 
that when we're shutting down the world for a few months, it feels tremendous. But in fact, this is a not a typical feature of the human species history. So I think the occurrence of new viruses, of emerging infectious diseases, brought about by a number of forces, things like global environmental climate change and urbanization, is really extending something that's well in human experience. And there's no reason to believe it's going to stop being part of human experience. So then are, are we at a place now where I, I know people are very anxious to get beyond COVID. Um, some people don't want to get vaccinated anymore, including prominent NFL players. But mm-hmm. it is, is, are we just going to have to accept that going forward, this may very well be a, a, a way of life? I think so. I think we do. And, you know, what I'm trying to do with uh, this new book that I just published is to say, given that this is going to be with us and this is with us and, and the COVID simply reminded us of that well, what should we do as a society to be as resistant to the ravages of viruses like this as much as possible? And I suppose the metaphor I, I use in the book is the one of a storm. You know, you can have a boat going through sailing and the smooth sailing, the sun is out, the water is calm. And uh, you could say to yourself, well, there's never going to be a storm because look at the water. The water is so calm. The sun is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And you forget that you just went through a storm. And what I'm trying to say is we are going through a storm and I don't want us to forget the storm, to forget the next storm as soon as the storm subsides. seems like some of us are, though. I mean, it seems like people are so anxious to get back to normal. We do have a history. We do have a history of forgetting the storm once we get through it, which, which I suppose is in part what I'm trying to do. And you know, I don't. I'm, I'm not saying this to scare us. I, I, I would like to enjoy my life. I'd like to enjoy this, the calm water and the sun as well. I'm simply saying, once we're out of the storm, let's fix the boat so that we can be in better shape next storm. That's all. Now you did mention um, global climate change playing a role in this. Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, the reason that um, global environmental climate change is playing a role in this is because it's uh, changing the habitat for uh, quite a bit of uh, the world's sort of uh, um, uh, fauna. And uh, it's that is combining with urbanization, with the fact that we're living closer and closer to cities. And the, the line between urban living and where we have species roaming freely is actually getting narrower and narrower. Mm. So that's creating more opportunities for species crossover and for there to be novel infectious diseases. Um, you also in the book talk about the need, and I guess this does also fall in the category of urbanization, um, some of the, the social, racial, cultural disparities that are, that are yeah. in existence and contribute to this. Well, my fundamental argument in the book is that vaccines are miraculous, right? The vaccine development that we've seen with this virus has been extraordinary. Very safe, very effective vaccines. Our medical treatment for people who are in hospital has been excellent. We've really done very well uh, in terms of medical treatment in the hospitals. And all of that is important. The argument though, is that that's not enough. That the fundamental patterns of what happened with this virus are patterns due to our social and economic structures. That we had disproportionate burden borne by certain groups, by people in low wage groups, people of color, because of our social and economic structures. And if we want to avoid the kind of devastation we had this time, we need to fix that. You know, fundamentally, the virus, I use the phrase in the book that we were sitting ducks for the consequences of the virus. And what I mean by that is this. We as a country, were far less healthy than we can be. We live sicker and shorter lives than do all our other comparable peer high-income countries. And the virus affects people and 
results in severe illness among people with underlying illness. So we had more people with underlying illness before the virus hit than we had to have. And that is in no small part why we had the consequences of the virus that we had. So my argument is, let's fix these underlying conditions. Let's become as healthy as we can be as a country so that when the next pandemic happens, which it will happen, it will find us as robust and as resilient to it as possible. But then that gets into politics, doesn't it? In order for everyone to be as healthy as they possibly could be, it requires a nation that is more open to providing health care and states for that matter that are more open to providing as much health care as available for all, doesn't it? It does in part, but I actually think the bigger question is not as much health care, which is important. The bigger question is we need a country that is willing to provide safe housing, a livable wages, a, a country free from violence, a country where racism is not marginalizing particular groups, where we don't have gender-based violence, where we have clean air and drinkable water. Those are the forces that we really need to generate health because that's what creates health. The healthcare system helps us recover once we're already sick. But I would rather, and I think you would rather, not be sick to begin with. And it's that kind of health that we want before the next virus hits. You do do that in the book. I, I commend you for that. You do draw a distinction between addressing health and addressing health care. Correct. More MIP after this message. I, I, and, and, and I try to actually push people on this point. Health is not health care. The... Um, mm. You know, what we really want is health. And I can use many metaphors for this. Perhaps one metaphor I use easily is about our cars. You know, you want your car to run. You don't want to spend your time with your car in the shop. Healthcare is taking your car into the shop. Now, if your car breaks down, you want to have a good mechanic, right? That's fine. So this is not an argument against mechanics. You want to have a good mechanic if your car breaks down. But ideally, you and I both want our car to work, to take us where we want it to take it to go. Similarly for health. We want to be as healthy for as long as possible and as healthy as possible. If we need a doctor, we want to have a good doctor so we can go see the doctor. But fundamentally, what we should care about is health more than health care. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with you. Um, absolutely. And, and, and that's a creative way to look at it as well, because we, we too don't often think about things you name, um, where we live, uh, having livable wages, having decent jobs and resources as a part of health. We, we really do just think about health care, which in a real sense, is probably as illogical as as many of us have been forced to treat the emergency room like the primary care physician. That, that's yeah. what too many people in America do, right? That's correct. That's correct. And you know, I often challenge people to say, challenge people around you to to use the word health when they mean health, not healthcare instead of health. We often make that mistake. Sometimes, for example, you see polls of Americans, and people are asked, "What's the biggest concern facing you?" Right? And always, everybody says the economy. And typically, people say the second concern is healthcare. Well, they don't mean healthcare. People mean health. Because yeah. ideally, what people want is just to be healthy. People don't want to be dealing with doctors and hospitals. They want to be healthy. And we keep thinking that that health depends only on hospitals and doctors. It does in part, but it depends even more on stable jobs, livable wages, clean environment, safe, affordable housing, neighborhoods free of violence, food that's nutritious, opportunity to exercise. All those forces matter more for our health than do doctors. Now, Dr. Galea, some of these same individuals who are deprived of good health, um, low-income uh, individuals, people who uh, don't have resources, people of color, 
are the ones disproportionately targeted for disinformation, mm -hmm. especially in this current contagion. So it's sort of a, of a, of a double whammy. People not having access to good health, but also having full access to disinformation to maybe steer them away from ad addressing this particular crisis we're in right now. What, what, what are your thoughts about that and, and how do we uh, get around that? Because some of the same people who are saying, well, this isn't real and we don't need to be vaccinated would also poo-poo any notion that this is something that we're going to have to live with for some time, that these things are going to continue to happen. Yeah, the, this is the first real global crisis that we have lived through in a time when social media has supplanted the public square. And I, I think we have to be very careful about what social media is. Social media is an algorithmically driven medium that is algorithmically driven to elevate emotion and to elevate grievance and to elevate loud voices and dispositive perspectives. That is different than a medium that allows honest, full discussion, right? It is a medium that is designed, it's by design, it surfaces strong feelings. And that's what rises to the top by likes and all that. As a result, it's been very easy for these media to be exploited towards misinformation. And I actually think that we are stumbling a little bit in the dark about how to how to deal with getting information out to as many people as possible in as accurate a way as possible in a time when social media, either things like Twitter or things like Facebook, have dominated how more of us get information. And I think we need to address that. I think we need to actually learn how to grapple with that. And I want to be very careful that I'm not in any way advocating for sort of draconian measures and saying, keep things off social media. I'm not saying that at all. I'm actually saying, I think it's a really complicated question because we want to make sure that we understand how it is we're getting our information. And there's no question that misinformation has been arising through these media. There's no question that particular groups have created, have echo chambers that reinforce false notions. How do we extricate ourselves from that while allowing the ideal of social media, right, which is fundamentally is the ideal of a democracy of information. That is a lovely ideal, but it hasn't it hasn't panned out that way in the main. Yeah. More MIP after this message. Well, I, 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 just to borrow what you said, and, and I think you articulated that very well, the 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 ideal is democracy. It's it, the principle on social media. But maybe it's, it's just the algorithm that's not democratic. Because you're right, it, it disproportionately lifts up um, sounds and noises that aren't necessarily um, real or relevant to to the situation of the problem at hand. So maybe if you fix the algorithm, you, it comes out better. In the meantime, though, if, if we if, let's just stay with COVID for a minute. Yeah. Um, even before we start thinking about the next contagions, it is I've heard some suggest that COVID, COVID is nowhere near gone itself yet, that this is something we may have to protect ourselves from. And just like the flu, annual flu shot, annual COVID shot for several yes. years to come. Do, do you agree yes. with that? I do. I, I think the, the best evidence right now is that uh, COVID will become endemic, goes from pandemic to endemic. Endemic simply means that there will be a baseline rate that we grow accustomed to and that we live with. It might be seasonal, it might sort of wax and wane like the flu. And that remains to be seen, but it will right. be something that will be with us. And yes, there will be some sort of maybe annual booster shot that uh, that we would take. But I, I think the best indications right now are that this is going to become something that we'll live with in the long term. Um, 
any idea, any forecast on when we might see the next major contagion like this? Well, anybody who gives you a forecast is a fool for doing so. So I'm not going to give you one. But uh, I, I hope it's not in my lifetime. Yeah, yeah. And and lastly, um, Dr. Glee, I, I, I admire people in the public health field. I, I take that the name of that field as seriously as it sounds. But tell us a bit about you and what what motivated you yeah. at this in your life to follow this path. Well, thank you. I appreciate the question. And thank you for your kindness about public health. So I'm um, I was trained as a doctor, and uh, I uh, I immigrated to uh, North America to go to college and medical school. And you know, when you when you immigrate to go to school you really only know of medicine. So I only knew of medicine, really. And I always knew I wanted to be part of the business of creating health. But all I knew was to be a doctor. So I became a doctor, practiced medicine in some remote parts of the world. And then I realized that I really wanted to understand health, not just medicine. So I went back to school and went back to graduate school to study public health. And public health is about the business of preventing diseases, of keeping people healthy, and of making sure that people are as healthy for as possible for as long as possible. And for the past two decades, I've had the privilege of having a career in universities in public health. So that's been my path. I really went from a path of medicine, where I was treating people, and to I want to understand how to keep people healthy, and that's what I do now. Hence, you went from healthcare to health. That's cor <laughs> that's correct. I believe I believe my work my work here is done. <laughs> Indeed. No, that's important. I like that too, man. If you don't mind, I in, in promoting your book and talking to others, I, I'm, I'm probably going to quote you. Please, please do. Please between do. health and health care. Please, so uh, it's, 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 you it's, yours. Previous... it's yours to have. You don't have to quote me. It's all yours. Please incorporate <laughs> it into, into, into you. No, no, no. I, I think that's important. I, I appreciate that. Folks, uh, read the book. Get ready. Be informed. We can't get everything off Twitter. Some of us are going to have to keep reading books, y'all. All right? And, and this is one you should read. All right? All uh, right. The Robert A. Knox Professor at Boston University and Dean of the Boston University School of Public Health, Dr. Sandro Galea. Again, his book, The Contagion, next time. Be sure to check it out. Check it out. Very informative. Folks, we still have a lot of work to do. And as a doctor has said to us and charged us with, there's much more we have to do in the way of health so that we are prepared for all these things. Thank you, Dr. Galea. Thank you so much for having me. It's really a pleasure. All right. Pleasure to have you. Yes, sir. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been Made Plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.